The AI Today podcast, produced by Cognolytica, cuts through the hype and noise to identify what is really happening now in the world of artificial intelligence. Learn about emerging AI trends, technologies, and use cases from Cognolytica analysts and guest experts. Hello, and welcome to the AI Today podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Mulch. And I'm your host, Ronald Schmelzer. Our guest today is Madeline Stolpe, who's the head of digital strategy at Health at City of Oslo in Norway. Welcome, Madeline. Thank you so much for joining us on this podcast. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks, Madeline. So we'd like to start by having you introduce yourself to our listeners and tell them a little bit about your background and your current role for the City of Oslo. Yeah, well, as you said, my name is Madeline. As soon as I cross the Norwegian border, I'm Maddie, so <laughs> I'm fine by that. My educational background is quite complicated. I've got two master's degrees and one in social science, one in education, and then I'm a trained journalist. And I also have extended studies in innovation and in leadership. And for the past six years, I've been working for the city of Oslo. I started working with communication as the innovation and digitalization wave was hitting us. They asked me to do more of that. So for the past two years, I've been head of strategy of innovation and digitalization in Oslo. And I'm currently working for the Department of Health. Well, that's great. Well, I know that you'll be presenting at the upcoming AI World Government Show, which is here in Washington, D.C. on June 24th through 26th. And for those who aren't able to attend or can't make it, or maybe for those who are planning on attending and would like a little preview, because this podcast will be out before the event is available, unless those of you who are listening to this podcast much later, this is afterwards, but maybe you can give us a little quick recap and preview of what you're going to be speaking about at the AI World Government event. Absolutely. Obviously, I haven't planned it all in details yet, so it might be some slight changes. But the core for me is going to be two things. One thing is having a strategic approach to AI and obviously other emerging technologies. Because I can see from my point of view that there is often two ways of approaching AI in the public sector. Either it's kind of sit still and hope for the best approach. Often because there is a lack of knowledge or a fear of making mistakes, which leads to we're better off doing nothing and just sit and wait. While the other part is more like tech optimists and they tend to apply tech for the take of tech. So it's like, where can we apply AI? Which isn't necessarily the best approach either. So what I'm trying to do is start with what is actually our challenges and our needs. And then AI is a tool for us to actually get to that goal. It's not a goal in itself. So that's going to be one of my main focuses. And then another main concern for us in the public sector, obviously, is that we're becoming more and more people on these earth. More of us are in need of public services. The group of elderly people are growing. So, And we also see increasing obesity, decreasing activity levels, and more mental health issues, which obviously puts an extra pressure on us in the public sector. And this is extra visible among young citizens, unfortunately. So the core challenge is how to work more preventive and avoid or postpone at least the need for care and health and how to secure quality services without having to employ more people because we know that we aren't going to be enough people to actually provide those services in the long run. So for me, AI can be used as a personal nudger, if you like, or guide for our citizens, for them to make better choices so they can avoid the need of public health care. Yeah, those That's are some... going to be the two main focuses. 
Great. And those are some great use cases. So can you share with us specifically some examples that the city of Oslo is currently working on or that you'd like to do in the coming years, exploring different ways that AI, machine learning, and cognitive technologies can help the citizens and also help move you guys towards becoming a connected, smart city? Well, there's lots of initiatives going on already and obviously even more in the pipeline. What's been most like done by now is obviously not too groundbreaking, but it's the use of RPA to optimize several back office processes, which obviously doesn't necessarily is visible to our citizens, but that free up a lot of resources to actually meet the citizens' needs better. So that's one of the first things we started on doing. And then obviously something that's very common in a lot of fields now, the use of chatbots that's been tried in several different fields. We hope you're enjoying this podcast and sorry for the brief interruption. Cognolytica not only produces the AI podcast that you're listening to right now, but we also generate research and advisory to help companies make sense of AI and cognitive technologies. We also run the most authoritative vendor-neutral AI and machine learning training and certification on the market. If you're looking to make AI a reality for your organization, our three-day Cognolytica training is for you. If you're interested in attending, you can find pricing and registration on our website at cognolytica.com. We'll also provide a link in the show notes. We've met many of our podcast listeners in our classes, and we hope that we'll see you there as well. Now back to the podcast. Several different fields within our organization. The borough that I used to work for earlier developed one for our child health clinic, which is obviously a hard domain to enter because health services are complicated. There are a lot of personal issues that are to be dealt with. But we wanted to try that because we felt that if we can succeed on building a chatbot for this domain, then it's going to be possible for a lot of other domains as well. So this was to help new moms and dads to get answers to all the questions you have when you've just had a newborn without having to schedule an appointment or wait in line for a phone call. And we also saw that A lot of them went to Google or other search engines and asked for help. And the quality of the answers that they got wasn't necessarily the best. So in cooperation with our citizens, we developed chatbots to provide them with the answers that they actually were looking for. And public health nurses are such a scarce resource. So we need to identify and develop services that can create value to our citizens without actually needing more employees. That was a success in the sense of the citizens loved it, the nurses loved working on it, and they felt that a chatbot could actually provide good answers after a while, because obviously, as you know, there's a lot of training data needed. So it had some pretty funny answers to begin with. But now that's ready to scale up and work further on that one, because it's 15 boroughs in Oslo, and this was done in one borough. And we need to be able to have some sort of central element that can actually operate and run the service across our city. So that's the next level on on that particular example. And then we've also started approaching machine learning on a large scale. We obviously have enormous amounts of data in our system, but it's been hard to actually view them together and make sense out of all the things that we actually know about our citizens. So one of the good examples on how we've used that is we've looked at large data sets from our immigration and social welfare system to detect what 
courses or activities and programs that are most beneficial in order to get immigrants into work and to become an integrated part of society as quickly as possible. That has given us some really valuable insights that we couldn't have got without the use of machine learning. And one of my favorite examples is actually a mapping tool called MUT which is a Norwegian voice name, actually, but it, it means mapping and automated decision support. And why we come across that experiment was that when we get applications from our citizens needing health services, they actually apply for a service and they need to know quite a bit about the services that we provide. And when they send in the application, we don't actually get to know as much about our citizens that we would like. We wanted to try and see, could we make a mapping tool that actually provides us with a more holistic profile of our citizens and give us a better understanding of not only what they need, but also what they're good at, their possibilities, and what's important to them to actually manage. And by that, as I said, a more holistic approach and then collaborate a more like collaborative way of looking at what services could actually be beneficial for this person. And when we did that in the first experiment, we started at a very small scale, but we went out to 500 citizens in Oslo and did this mapping of citizens that already had services from us. And it turned out that 20% of our citizens got different services when we met them with this approach instead of just telling them to apply for a particular service. And that told us that by getting large amounts of data and actually linking them together, we could get better answers than we had been able to do before. So by now, this is developed as like the next scale. So we're looking at more services, more questions and answers, and obviously more ways of linking all these data together to be able to detect what can we do at an early stage and what kind of services can we provide them that will be more preventive and hopefully they won't need that many services in the long run. And also, we have a lot of low-scale services like walking groups or cafes where you can meet other people, which are free for our citizens. But it's hard to reach out to the right people with that kind of information. So we tend to just put a poster up on a wall at any office or a mall somewhere, and we hope that the right people see it. But by actually getting to know our citizens better, we can kind of direct marketing and actually provide them with the information they need that actually suits their needs and what's important to them. So that's been a really, really exciting way of approaching healthcare services in a different way. And also we hope to be able to link the needs of different users together. So maybe we can be more of a platform that actually matches the one that needs help with cooking and the one that actually loves cooking but needs someone to spend time with or be social with. And instead of just giving out health services, we can kind of connect people and be a platform service in a much better way. Yeah, well, these are all you know, really great use cases for artificial intelligence and machine learning and the range of cognitive technologies. And as we track all the various different use cases, it's interesting because we think about these patterns and these are really great common patterns, even for those people who are listening to this podcast who may not necessarily be focused in government or in health and any of these sorts of things. These applications are clearly very consistent with the things that people are hearing. 
And you did mention some things around cognitive automation and process automation. And there's been some thoughts, some people have some concerns sometimes over the use of some of these technologies that are being used to automate. In particular, you know, some people have some concern about the role that AI plays in terms of labor and the future of jobs and employment. So can you give us some insight, at least maybe what you're seeing or maybe your thoughts about how AI may impact jobs and employment within health or more broadly within Norway, the environment? Obviously, AI and cognitive technologies will make a difference. It would be naive to think something else. But I think that AI makes the term lifelong learning even more relevant. I don't believe that we will see massive amounts of people losing their job, but they will lose their tasks. And obviously, it's going to be a need for new jobs like data scientists and AI trainers and programmers and so on. But it will also be a need for more human contact and domain knowledge to actually understand what services that needs to be developed and provided. And we will need a different approach to education when all these new emerging technologies come across. So I think that there will be a lot of new jobs created that will provide new opportunities. But obviously, we need to learn how to change in a much more rapid way than we've done before. But we know that the needs of jobs have been changing as long as it's been people on Earth. And I know that here in Norway, 100 years ago, 50% was working in agriculture, and now it's only 2%. But 100 years ago, who could foresee that the farmer's children would be personal trainers and hairdressers and social workers. So I think it's about, obviously it's changing at a different pace, but it's about how we approach it. And when I talk to people, I like to use the word manage, because either you manage as in coping or just like getting through something, or you actually take charge. And I think that we're in a position now when we can take charge and actually prepare ourselves for the changes in the work life that we know it's going to come. And to me, knowledge isn't going to be a waste. They talk about data as the new oil, but to me, knowledge is the new oil. That's a scarce resource, and we will never have enough of that. So I don't think that there will be lack of opportunities. It's just about your willingness to actually change and do something else that you didn't for the last 10 years. Yeah, good answer. Now, it's interesting, the projects that you mentioned earlier, that's a wide range of different kinds of projects, you know, from the conversational assistance to the cognitive automation to the hyper-personalization to the ability to provide personal advice and guidance and promotions and marketing and all that sort of stuff. What are you seeing as sort of like your biggest challenges, especially I'm thinking about data, you know, so how are you making these projects happen? How are you assembling the team that you need to assemble? Could give us a little insight into how are you making some of these projects work? Well, when you talk about data, that's one of our biggest challenges because we've been gathering data for years and years, but it's not structured in a way that makes it easy to actually combine them in the way that we would like to. And obviously, legislation also has its boundaries in how we can actually combine these data and use them for something else than they were originally meant to be used for. So just gathering data, structuring it, labeling it in the right way, that's obviously a massive challenge and something that we are working on, obviously, day to day. And that provides the need for that data, obviously, also is reflected in the need of labor. And working in the public sector, this isn't the place that all the best tech people necessarily want to work for. They tend to go to more private companies, which obviously are paying better and tend to have larger communities of 
people that actually work together. So you get some kind of society with like-minded people. So getting tech people on board is also a challenge. What we are lucky enough to have is the domain knowledge, which I think is even more important because by now the tech has developed that far that a lot of people can actually learn how to program and how to work around these things in not that long amounts of time. But actually knowing how people work, how you can provide proper healthcare, how you can work on education, what actually works in the social welfare system, that knowledge that actually takes years to develop. And luckily we have that. So it's all about putting these people together. Our normal workers that's been working here for years and years, they have invaluable knowledge, but they don't necessarily see the opportunities. They see their needs and they see what needs to be done. But putting them together with the tech people, design people, that's where the magic happens. So it's all about getting the right people together. It's the knowledge is there. It's just teaming them up. Yeah, it's always interesting to, you know, see how different organizations, different cities, countries are going about in their approach to this. So it sounds like you guys are, you know, really thinking about this and already implementing some of these technologies, which is great. So as a final note, what do you believe the future of AI is in general and its applications to corporations, governments and beyond? Well, already AI is affecting our lives in a big way. And we don't tend to think about that. We surround ourselves with the use of search engines and booking systems, route planners, and just the fact that when you get a message on your phone from a friend saying, should we meet Friday at 5? It actually suggests to put it straight into your calendar. And if it actually tests where you're going, a few days from now, it's going to tell you that this is the shortest way to get there. And we just take these things for granted because they just pop up without us even noticing. And after a few weeks, we it's like they've always been there. But when it comes to actually applying AI or other emerging technologies at your workplace, it just seems as if the obstacle is a bit higher. So I always try to make it more accessible by using the day-to-day example. And I think that even though we're used to AI in our daily lives, now we're going to see it in a much larger scale and corporate level as well. One thing is in the public sector, both for healthcare and more personalized education and the possibility to actually completely disrupt the education system. And also when it comes to construction, safety planning and transportation, it's endless possibilities. And then obviously all the administrative tasks doing the right thing, using data analysis, providing decision support, all that is pliable across all kind of services and even if it's a private or a public corporate. So the thing is that AI is a tool as every other tool. And I think that the future depends highly on the ones actually using it. And I really hope we're going to focus on AI for good and how it can actually be utilized to provide better services across all fields. But we need to be prepared for those who might have a different approach. And it's important to actually have that in the back of our minds as well, that this can be used in different ways. And we need to make sure that the safety and security around AI and these kind of technologies is high as possible. 
Yeah, well, these are really good insights. I know that we definitely are going to continue to look at how other organizations and agencies and companies and governments are putting AI into practice, not just from a use case perspective, but also to see how the regulatory environment changes. This is a very globally connected world. What happens in one corner of the world impacts the other. So we definitely keep a very close eye on that, and we would love to continue this conversation. So Maddie, really thank you so much for joining us on this podcast. We really appreciate you participating and sharing your insight. Thank you. Yeah, thanks so much for joining us today. And listeners, as always, we'll post any articles and concepts discussed in the show notes. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you at the next podcast. And that's a wrap for today. To download this episode, find additional episodes and transcripts, subscribe to our newsletter and more, please visit our website at Cognolitica.com. Join the discussion in between podcasts on the AI Today Facebook group, and make sure to join the Cognolitica Facebook page for updates on this and future podcasts. Also subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Google Play, and elsewhere to get notified of future episodes. Want to support this podcast and get your message out to our listeners? Then become a sponsor. We offer significant benefits for AI Today sponsors, including promotion in the podcast and landing page, and opportunities to be a guest on the AI Today show. For more information on sponsorship, visit the Cognolytica website and click on the podcast link. This sound recording and its contents is copyright by Cognolytica. All rights reserved. Music by Matsu Gravas. As always, thanks for listening to AI Today, and we'll catch you at the next podcast.